This is Statehouse Blend, Missouri, a series of conversations with Missouri lawmakers and leaders about the policies and politics that affect people's lives. I'm Brian Ellison. Missouri's revenues are down, and though tax season might bring a windfall, the state is still looking at growing expenses for health care, infrastructure, education. All that has lawmakers looking for new ways to bring in money, and one option they're considering is sports betting. Missouri's one of more than two dozen states considering legalizing it. Republican Senator Denny Hoskins of Warrensburg is sponsoring the bill. He spoke with me this week about it, and also about transparency in government, cracking down on fake service animals, and losing his running buddy. Senator Denny Hoskins, a Republican of Warrensburg, friend of the Statehouse Blend Missouri podcast, welcome back. Yes, good to be back, Brian. So uh, you have had a, a busy session so far, sponsoring a number of pieces of legislation in the news, and uh, none of them more prominent, I don't think, than the Senate Bill 44, which would legalize sports betting in Missouri. Um, in a few sentences, uh, give us a sense of what this bill would do. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court last May, um, there was a court case that was decided that states could allow sports betting or sports book if they uh, so chose. And so I filed this bill to basically legalize sports betting in the state of Missouri. So if someone wanted to make a bet on the Kansas City Chiefs or Kansas City Royals or uh, a college team, the MU Tigers, the Kansas Jayhawks, they could do that under this bill. And you allow leagues to have input on what what people can bet on, is that right? Yes. In, in my bill, the, the leagues do have a say in, in as far as what kind of bets that they would be able to do. So if the leagues, let's say Major League Baseball, decided that they did not want to allow betting on whether the first pitch of the game of a Royals game will be a ball or a strike, they could notify the Gaming Commission, and the Gaming Commission would put that out there to the casinos that, yes, the no no bets would be allowed on the first pitch of the game. Or if they wanted to, um, the NFL wanted to limit, uh, you know, the first penalty of the game will be an offsides penalty uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the NFL could send a note, uh, communication to the Gaming Commission, and say there there should be no bets as far as the first penalty of the Kansas City Chiefs game would be an offsides penalty. And the thinking there is that that would, uh, those are things where just one person, the pitcher in that case, or an umpire could um, could affect the outcome of that bet so easily that uh, you want to provide a way to eliminate concern about that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, most of those bets are where one person could decide uh, the outcome of the game. And, you know, it's not, you're not betting on the final score or who will win the game or who will win you know, score more points in the game uh, or the total over-under of points scored overall in the game. But those types of bets are, are more susceptible to, to fraud uh, because one person does have uh, such a um, huge control in that, in that game. And, in fact, um, there was a, a bet, uh, and I believe it was placed overseas, and, and it's kind of received a lot of notoriety where there was a uh, betting on whether some hockey player would eat a sandwich before the game, <laughs> and the hockey player, or, or during during uh, uh, in between um, periods, and the hockey player got wind of this, and and the hockey player did eat a sandwich. I think in between periods, and so people were able to cash in their bets. Now, I think that's one kind of far. Um, 
reaching yeah. example, but you know, we just want to try and make sure that everything is above board and, and one person doesn't have uh, sole uh, control over that type of bet. Right. You'd allow uh, mobile and online betting, uh, although people would have to register at an actual casino, physical casino in Missouri to do this. That's right. Um, if I wanted to go place a bet, and, you know, the the funny thing is, is, you know, I last, when I started working on this bill last spring, I came home and, and was talking to some of my uh, friends back home, and I said, yes, I've got a bill to legalize sports betting, and they pulled out their phone, and they said, well, I, were, I already bet online. Mm. I'm like, well, you know, unfortunately, that is illegal in the state of Missouri right <laughs> put now. Put that away. I don't want to see that. Yeah, 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 put that away. You probably don't want to advertise that, but uh, yes, un- under my bill, it would require someone that wanted to use an online um, betting app or to bet at a uh, facility, you would go to a casino first to register. Once you went to that casino and, and registered, and they verified your age and, and that you weren't on the, you know, you hadn't signed up to put yourself on the no bets list, then uh, you could download that app, and then you could use that app to bet anywhere in the state of Missouri. So you could bet from your home, you could stay there at the casino, and if that casino had a sports book or any place else, you could go there. But, but you couldn't use first- it outside Missouri? You could not use it outside Missouri. And is it set up to prevent that, or is it sort of uh, they have to take your word for it? No, it would be set up to prevent that. So there would be some sort of geofence that uh, could tell that if you're outside of the state of Missouri, you cannot use that that app to bet. Get really complicated on State Line Road here in in Kansas City. Yes, it it, it would be. I, I guess somebody could try it and have one foot on one side and one foot on the other if they so chose. <laughs> so uh, this issue, as many issues are, often comes down to money. Uh, and obviously one reason that I, I believe you want this to be introduced is the possibility of revenues for the state. How much money do you think this will actually generate for Missouri? Well, it could generate anywhere from uh, $12 million all the way up to about $31 million for the state of Missouri. And, and that would go into different pots. So um, right now, under my bill, there would be a 12% tax on the adjusted gro- gross receipts, and that would generate um, approximately anywhere from $6 million to $21 million to go to the education fund. Then there's also a 2% administrative fee, which would go toward the Veterans Capital Im- Im- Improvement Trust Fund, and that money is used for veterans' homes, veterans' cemeteries uh, here in the state of Missouri. And then right now I have what what I call an integrity fee. Now, it's not an integrity fee like we've probably been thinking of in the past where there would be a percentage on the gross handle uh, going to those uh, sporting professional sporting leagues. Right. This is in other states. They have an integrity fee, which they collect because they say that's the money they use to prevent fraud, to prevent uh, match fixing. Right. Exactly. And uh, one of my bills that I filed last year did include a, a 1% integrity fee. However, out of the eight states that currently have sports betting that have approved uh, this since last spring, none of those have an integrity fee where that fee goes to the sporting leagues. I kind of turned the I had an idea and, and kind of turned the integrity fee uh, upside down, and I said, okay, well, many times here in the state of Missouri, we receive requests for uh, funding, whether it's uh, funding for uh, go to the Jackson County Sports Authority for you know Kauffman Stadium and Arrowhead Stadium, or whether it's the where the St. Louis Blues play in uh, St. Louis. 
but we receive all sorts of funding uh, or all sorts of requests for funding that comes in there. So what I had is the I created the Entertainment Facilities Infrastructure Fund. And so what this would do is that um, money that would be collected from that integrity fee would go through the construction and maintenance of entertainment st- structures. Basically, uh, it does not would not have to be a sporting stadium. It could be a concert venue. It could be a music hall and, and the like. But what I said is I want uh, to make sure that the fan has a great experience getting to the game and whether that's uh, better intersections, uh, going to the facility, more lighting, uh, mm-hmm. pedestrian uh, overpass, uh, where they could walk across, uh, whether it's an interstate or other high-traffic street. I want to make sure that the fan or the customer has a great experience inside the game with uh, good bathrooms, uh, bigger concourses, uh, places to eat and, and drink. Sure. And then also make sure the fan has a great experience when they leave the game and they're not stuck in a parking lot for an hour trying to leave the game. And so, again, all that comes back to uh, parking and, and uh, intersections and uh, lighting and things like that. So with this Entertainment Facilities Infrastructure Fund, we could appropriate, uh, Missouri General Assembly could appropriate money to be used for any of those things. So you're talking about, an, you, you call that an integrity fee, but you're using it for these infrastructure needs. Uh, let's talk about integrity yes. for a moment. Uh, are, are you concerned about fraud, about corruption, about match fixing? Does the state actually have any sort of oversight arm that could could actively prevent that sort of thing? Yes, um, you know, obviously, in when you have any type of betting or, or gaming, you know, you are concerned about fraud and, and making sure the integrity of the game is protected. And so, we've included in my bill is, is quite a few security integrity measures, and, and some of them deal with the betters, some of them deal with uh, the people that are are actually playing the game, and, and so on. So, just a few of those. You know, we mentioned one already that that. You know, me as a as a better, if I went to bet, then I would have to go into casino where they would verify my age before I could um, download that app. It would also, under my bill, allow Missourians to limit or ban themselves from betting. If you believe that you have a gambling problem, then you could um, sign up and be on the no betting list, and, and so you would not be able to bet in the state of Missouri. Um, you also have to. There's background checks for employees and staff of of the. Um, Gaming Commission, as mm-hmm. well as those casinos, uh, you cannot target minors. Uh, you would also have to, under my bill, the casinos would have to use the official sports league data, and so Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL, you would have to use their official league data in order to um, place or the casinos would have to use that in in order to figure out you know, what the final score was or if there was a a bet on tackles and how many no yards were, were scored yes. and so on. Yes, how many how many yards they had in a football game. And I know, you know, many of us, including myself, play fantasy sports sometimes, and I play fantasy football. And you know, I think it's happened to all of us where we go to we go to bed on on Monday night after Monday night football is on, and you think you had a hundred points, and then uh, you wake up in the morning and you have ninety nine or you have one hundred one because uh, there was a um, a you know, they corrected one of the calls mm-hmm. that, that was in there. Uh, there's also stiff penalties for those who violate the law. And then, you know, we talked about another security integrity measure as well, where the sports teams could restrict the bet, those bets, um, especially those bets that would, uh, where one person could control the outcome. So I think in the measure, we do have 
uh, quite a few security and integrity measures. And, and also, it, it talks about insider betting would be a Class E felony if there's uh, someone that is using insider non-public information in order to make those bets. There are obviously other states that, that allow this now, 20-some states. Uh, are there is there a particular state or two that you consider a model for what you'd like to see happen here in Missouri? Uh, you know, not, not necessarily. We've, we've tr- what we tried to do is look at uh, all those states, and, and again, we're the show-me states, and we want to be shown what uh, is working in other states. I would say that, you know, protecting the integrity of the game and, and making sure that uh, those people that are, are making bets are, you know, are not minors, you know, that's one of my concerns. Uh, so, you know, I, I think overall we're just kind of looking at every bill that's going through. A lot of these bills that are going through the other states, many of them are are the same. There are some states that are only allowing sports betting inside a casino uh, where you could not use it on a mobile app. Um, again, my bill would allow you you just have to register at the casino, and then you could uh, use the app anywhere in the state of Missouri. So there's a few differences between these bills. Uh, and then probably the other biggest thing on my bill is, is I do include that integrity fee, but I include it to help with uh, funding entertainment facilities and the infrastructure in and surrounding those facilities. And um, I believe that's the only one in the United States that has that particular provision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I'm curious. You're uh, you're a fairly conservative senator. You're part of the new newly formed conservative caucus. Uh, yes, family man. Um, I, I guess I'm wondering about non financial impacts of increasing the amount of gambling in the state of Missouri. Is that a concern to you? No, it, it hasn't been a, a huge concern for me. I, I believe that you know, this is a, approximately about a. Three billion dollar industry, and and we there's estimates out there that approximately 1.3 million Missourians are currently participating illegally in sports betting. So um, it is with with any other you know type of activity that you know yes are are there concerns, but uh, are there overwhelming concerns for people to be able to play um, place bets? No, I, I I don't believe so. Yeah. I, I guess the other thing that a lot of folks have been concerned about is you, the Republican majority uh, in the General Assembly has by and large supported reducing taxes. Uh, yes. Essentially, the money raised by this tax on gambling would be replacing money reduced from corporate income tax and personal income tax. Who do you think is going to be paying this tax on gambling? Are you concerned about shifting the tax burden to um, to maybe part of the state that is less in a position to be um, to be paying taxes. You know, I I think that's um, you know always a concern. But most certainly, you know, if you uh, do not have the means to bet in a do sports betting, then you should not be betting. Just like if you don't have the means to go to the casino and and be entertained and and play blackjack or slots or anything like that, then then you shouldn't uh, participate in that activity either. Uh, so, as far as shifting the tax burden, economic burden on, onto those that uh, cannot uh, afford to do this, then you know, I, I'm a big on personal responsibility as well. And so, you know, again, you know, it's estimated there's about 1.3 million Missourians that are currently illegally betting on, on sportsbook, and, and whether that's an app that they have uh, currently have, or you know, the guy on the uh, local guy down the street that that takes bets, uh, so 
you know, overall, you know, is it a concern? Yes, but I don't think that that's uh, something that we can't overcome. I'm curious, uh, among your colleagues there in Jefferson City, uh, has the response to this bill been partisan at all? Do you, is this a place where party lines really uh, have, have broken down? No, it, it, it has received uh, lots of bipartisan support. And, you know, I've, we heard it in my committee, uh, the Committee on Small Business and Industry, this past uh, Thursday. And there were, you know, several good questions that came up in, in committee. Uh, but overall, it has received um, a lot, quite a bit of support from both Republicans and Democrats. You've become quite the hero in sports betting media across the country. I didn't even know there was sports betting media, but uh, as I looked up, uh, as I researched for this interview, yes. uh, it's getting a lot of attention. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know if "hero" is the the right word. I'm, I'm just basically I'm trying to do my job, and and you know ultimately the the casinos um, on the sports book bill they want what's best for the casinos. The, Sporting leagues want what's best for the sporting leagues, but as a Missouri State Senator, I want what's best for Missouri, and, and I just want to make sure that uh, people are able to do this legally and that uh, it can provide some uh, additional revenue to our veterans' homes as well as our education facilities. You know, we did have, there was a few questions raised uh, last week in committee. One of them was, you know, did you, does your bill uh, ban high school betting, and, and no, my my bill doesn't. But you know, overall, I'd, um, if someone wants, if that's a huge concern for one of my colleagues, I'd be glad to include that in there. I just don't uh, particularly see a lot of of uh, casinos wanting to get involved, and in, you know, a Blue Springs South versus Blue Springs basketball game. Mm. <laughs> so um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But you know, are is it the bill perfect right now? Uh, probably not. Are, are there tweaks and, and things that uh, I could make in order to make the bill better? Uh, yes, most certainly. And you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, the bills in its current form, I'm, I'm sure, will not be the bill that uh, hopefully passes later this session. We'll keep our eyes on that. Let me hit on a couple of other issues. Uh, you've also been in the news this week on another uh, bill you've introduced to crack down on emotional support animals that are yes. really just pets. Uh, how big a problem is this, this uh, pretending that your, your pet is a support animal? Well, you know, according to media reports, it, it's a huge problem. And, and I've had a, a personal experience this with this where I actually had a tenant that... Uh, was not supposed to have any pets, and they um, had a dog, it turns out, and then they tried to play it off as an emotional support animal, uh, which it was not. We, there's only two questions that you can ask um, that, that individual, you know, what, what does the um, emotional support animal do is one of them, and uh, she was not able to, my, my tenant was not able to answer either one. Well, it turns out she just wanted a dog, and uh, then she, after she got the dog, and I questioned her on it, then uh, she uh, was going to try to make it an emotional support dog. So, you know, I, in fact, I've, I've sponsored legislation in the past to expand the rights of, of professional therapy dogs and, and service animals. However, it has become, in my opinion, and according to uh, some of my colleagues and, and many media and news reports, a huge problem where these fake service animals are are delegitimizing those animals that and, and those people that actually need these need these type of, of service animals and therapy animals and yet there are some service animal owners and, and uh, potentially um, uh, groups who say that 
this is uh, the, the risk of this bill is that it calls into question the legitimacy of actually necessary animals. Um, there, there isn't really a consistent certification program, for example, and, and getting a dog certified might be a significant additional cost to someone who already is struggling. Uh, there was a, an interview on a Columbia TV station with a, a quadriplegic man who has a service dog who isn't certified in any way. He'd have no, no way to prove that his dog was necessary for his life, and yet he says it provides him important help with daily tasks. Right, and most certainly those those uh, individuals that need a, a service dog or therapy dog or emotional support animal and and have the uh, proper uh, you know they have to have a prescription from a, a licensed medical doctor or, or mental health uh, professional. Uh, I don't have a problem with those at, at all. But uh, the people that that those, their animals are not trained to be therapy dogs or, or service animals, and they bring them in and act like they are, even though they've received no training, uh, they're not only uh, a danger to um, those legitimate individuals that, that, have, that have service animals, that have, that have the proper training and, and are performing functions, but they're you know, a danger to that, that business and, and other things. You know, when we talk about emotional support animals, you know, uh, there was a, within the past year there was a lady who tried to bring in an emotional support peacock uh, on the plane, uh, because it provided, uh, uh, supposedly provided emotional support for for this lady. Well, everyone loves peacocks. Everybody so, does love peacocks, yeah. but uh, should they be an emotional support animal that you bring on a plane, or um, it's just gotten way way out of hand, and we need to try and rein this back in. Let me ask you about another thing that happened this week in the General Assembly. The House advanced a proposal to change the state's sunshine laws uh, to basically yes. prevent any correspondence to or from a legislator about any issue before the body, at least as, as many are interpreting the very broad language of the bill that passed. Um, it, it, it passed on a voice vote. Uh, reports are that it was largely along, along party lines, Republicans in favor, Democrats opposed. Would you support that legislation that's that's coming over now from the House? Uh, critics say it would gut the state's sunshine laws. And I'd, I'd have to look at that particular um, bill that, that passed through the House. But, you know, many times I have constituents that share personal, private information with me, and, and whether that's uh, dealing with another family member, whether that's dealing with their son or daughter or their grandparents, or whether it's uh, dealing with a, a neighbor. And uh, many times they don't, they don't want that. Their expectation is that information is private uh, that they shared with me and would not be uh, under the Sunshine Law where that could be uh, put out in the media and, and things like that. So I think I'd have to take a look at the particular provision. I I heard the House pass something, but you know, being in the Senate and uh, in, in a totally different body, I haven't actually read that bill or seen that come through yet. I guess in general, I mean, we've come through this season in Missouri uh, where there were a lot of questions about openness and transparency in the the governor's office, the prior governor, yes. uh, questions about uh, the transparency in the attorney general's office as he was investigating the governor, the prior attorney general. Um, the Republicans, uh, I think, have been a little bit on their heels about openness in government. I don't think I'm. that's a overly harsh judgment. That seems to be the, the public uh, perception. Is this a good time for Republicans in the General Assembly to be advancing legislation that, that limits transparency? Well, again, you know, I, I think I go back to, you know, whether I've got a, 
I've been contacted by a grandmother who thought their her granddaughter was being sexually abused. Is that information that should be um, out there? You know, someone requested information re- on a sunshine request. Is that uh, information that the the grandmother would would want out there, or is it, is that information that uh, the granddaughter, you know, if, if she was 16 or 18 years old, would want out in the public eye in her name and and maybe phone number and address was right was out but there. you could remove the name and phone number and personally identifying information under the under the sunshine law even now uh yes but you know this is all new for us in the, in the missouri state legislature as far as uh, complying uh, with the sunshine law and so you know there's there's some things that uh, we've been told that yes you you can redact and there's other things that it's said that you can't uh, i mean i know that uh, in my particular office, we're going to um, bet on the on the individual and redacting as much information as I deem uh, necessary in order to keep that that individuals keep my constituents' information private. Um, you know, I, I think it can go you know swing both ways. Do I think that you know there should be always be transparency in government? Yeah, most certainly. And and. Uh, I always have an open door, and, and anyone that comes in here uh, and asks a, a question or a particular or has a concern about something, my door's always open, and and, and a lot of that's dialogue. It's it's um, many times when there's lack of communication uh, with uh, their elected officials that that distrust begins, and and so that's one of the reasons that you know, I'm doing your radio show, and, and so listeners out there can hear what's going on mm-hmm. in their Missouri State Capitol. I do other radio shows. We write a capital report. Uh, we always always try and respond back to my uh, constituents uh, when they, or I always we always do respond back to constituents when they whether they email or send a letter in. So I've, I think a lot of it's just openness and, and communication, and uh, that solves a lot of problems. Let me ask you two more quick questions. Uh, you joined something this week called or last week called the Conservative Caucus. Um, yes. Does that imply that? You don't think the Republican caucus as a whole is conservative enough? Is there a division developing in the Republican caucus in the in the Missouri Senate? Oh, most certainly not. It's just a group of like-minded individuals. There are six of us that decided that, hey, we really want to focus on uh, conservative principles. And many of our principles, whether it deals with education, infrastructure, taxes, um, are included in the Republican platform. You know, last year... Uh, Senator Roman and I, we formed the Education Caucus because we wanted to kind of do a, a deep dive on, on some of the education issues, uh, higher education issues affecting the state. And we had about six to eight uh, uh, senators, that both Republican and Democrat, that were part of the Education Caucus. But it most certainly didn't mean that the you know, 26 senators that were not, didn't participate in the Education Caucus in those meetings, didn't care about education. Uh, so I, th- I think with the conservative caucus is, is just the same thing. We're, we're a group of like-minded individuals, and we want to be a resource uh, not only for our leadership, but for our fellow senators and, and uh, conservatives across the state and, and try and protect our conservative rural values. But um, we have great leadership in the Missouri State Senate and look forward to being a resource and working with them this session. You wouldn't see it as uh, similar to over on the Kansas side where there's pretty strong division between conservative Republicans and moderate Republicans, or at least there has been. No, not at all. Not at all. 
Um, I want to ask you about one other thing. Uh, the last time you were on the podcast, uh, it was about a month into Governor Eric Greitens' term and, and also your first term here in the Senate. Yeah. Um, and you described in some detail during our conversation a meeting you had with the governor just off the Senate floor where, uh, as you put it, he made some political threats. Uh, and there were a lot of reports about the those conversations he had with a couple of senators that day um, yes. to try to encourage them to change their votes. Um, you also talked about how a few days later he invited you to go for a run. Um, he said, well, hey, what are you doing tomorrow morning? You want to go for a run? And I, you know, any time that you get asked by the governor to go for a run or work out, I, I said, sure, I'd love to. Um, and then that immediately that, that evening I had to go buy some running clothes because I didn't have any in, <laughs> in Jefferson City. All that to say that feels like a long, long time ago in political time in Missouri. Uh, how has serving in Jeff City been different uh, this year? How is it different today than it was two years ago? Well, I, th- I think one of the things, you know, with Governor Parson, he and I have known each other for about 12 years now, and you know, he has served, uh, we served together in the House. Uh, he served as Lieutenant Governor when I came over to the Senate. And so I, I just, I think, um, I myself, I, I know Governor Parson a lot better. I think that uh, both governors were trying to do what was best for the state of Missouri, but uh, just the uh, Governor Parson has, has been in my shoes. He, he realizes that uh, the legislative branch is a uh, separate but equal branch of government and realizes that in order to get things through, uh, it's easier and, and better if we try and work together as a team, both the executive branch and the legislative branch. And, and so it's, um, that's been, you know, just some of the changes that I've noticed uh, over the past uh, eight months since Governor Parson took control. Are you happier now? Uh, I, I would say that, uh, um, yes, uh, it, it has been a, uh, a pleasant change. Uh, you know, everybody has uh, their, their ups and downs and their strengths and weaknesses, but uh, most certainly, uh, work, uh, being able to work with Governor Parson as I have in the past is, is um, I, sh- I don't know if easier is the better word, but it's uh, it's been uh, since I've known him for quite some time, and, and he has had the experience of being a state rep, uh, being a, a county sheriff, being a small business owner, and things like that. It, we've had an easier time uh, relating to each other each other's experiences. Have you and the Governor Parson gone for a run at any point? Uh, no, Governor Parson and I have not uh, gone gone for a run at any right. point. But uh, if he asked, I, I would I would happily go with him. By all means, please let us know. We'd like to hear a report on it. Uh, I will. I will. That's Senator Denny Hoskins, uh, Republican of Warrensburg. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Brian. Statehouse Blend Missouri is a production of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.